0: As
1: we transition from Puna to Kau, the Olalonoya that Lei just shared reminds us of the close connection of these two moku, these two districts, and their people. In the words of Auntie Mary Kobanapuku'i, Puna trusts and leans on Kau, and Kau trusts and leans on Puna. Mahalo, everyone, for joining us once again on Kaleo Okauluau as we head further south and transition from one great moku to another.
0: Oyehoi, Mahalo for listening. Just as a reminder, take a moment to press pause and pull up the accompanying story map for this episode on our blog at hilo.hawaii.edu slash blog slash Kaleo the link is also in the podcast description in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can do this for all the Kaleo Kauluao podcasts. As we mentioned in our last episode, we are now continuing on our huakai, our journey from one moku to another, shifting landscapes as well as mindsets from the wet, forested uplands of Puna to the arid lowlands in the vast moku of Kau. The transition visibly happens when driving through each moku. And perhaps the same could be said about the characteristics of the people who inhabit those spaces. Drew, who will be taking us on to the next moku of Ka'u?
1: Well, Le, our special guest today is Noah Gomes. He's from Wahiawa on Oahu, with ancestry from Lana'i, Kauai, Portugal, Madeira, the Azores, the Philippines, Japan, and the United Kingdom. He's resided in East Hawaii for more than 15 years and holds a BA and an MA from Kahakaula Okeli Kolani at the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Noah is known for his research interests in ethno-ornithology, but also has a deep interest in place, particularly for East Hawaii. He became familiar with some of the stories of the parts of Kaua and Puna during his work as a ranger at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park between 2011 and 17. Aloha, Noah. Welcome. Aloha,
2: Kako.
0: Aoya, it's fantastic to have you with us. Over the past few years, we've had wonderful conversations spanning topics such as Hawaiian language, history, geography, and more. And we look forward to hearing your perspective on Ka'u.
2: Awesome.
1: As we mentioned in our introduction, you've spent a great deal of time in the area where Puna and Ka'u merge, which is such a powerful and special place on this island, and it's positively shaped by the volcano Kilauea. What would you like to share with us today, Noah?
2: There is too much that I want to share with you, um, but I think that we would be remiss not to start with the um, caldera itself, um, with uh, what people nowadays mostly call Kilauea, but a lot of people in the past, if you look at the historical records, um, they very often called it Kalua Pele or Kalua opele, Pele, um, which is just the, the crater of Pele uh, for anybody who is curious to know. Um, so the main caldera is, is actually quite large. Um, when you go into Hawaii Volcanoes National Park and you drive up to the, to the rim of the caldera and you're looking in, that's just the, the inner part of the caldera. It actually expands out beyond the highway. And if you're driving from Hilo to Ka'u, you'll notice on the, on the uh, Mauka side, on the upland inland side, um, that there's kind of a wall there. There's a pali above the highway, um, which I'm told is called Pali Olapalapa, and that's that's the outer wall of the caldera. And then there are other pali that go into the caldera um, as you get closer towards Hale Ma'u, the the place where we often have um, lava or a lava lake right now. Um, and those all have names. It's it's kind of you can kind of imagine it kind of like a terrace. Uh, so. After Pali um, Olapalapa, we have, in um, part of that area, Pali Luulu'u or Luulu'u Pali, which is a name that comes from Maka. Um So uh, Luulu'u Pali is that Pali that is below the highway, uh, right above KMC, Kilauea Military Camp, and it runs away down. Um, Towards Ha'akula Manu, which is the sulfur banks. If you go and visit the park, you'll you'll see that it's a pretty well-known area. And ends right around uh what was the old volcano house and, and is now the volcano Art center. So Lu'ulu'upali is a place name that comes to us from Kuluvai Maka, who was the last uh court chanter, last living court chanter of King Kalakawa. Uh Kuluvai Maka told that information when he was explaining um, a particular chant to Theodore Kelsey and Helen Roberts uh, who were collecting and making recordings of chants uh, from old folks across the archipelago back in the 1920s. Anyway, when you go down below that and then you hit uh, a couple of different Pali that are very famous and a couple of different famous places, I'll start from the far end of the road uh, where Jagger Museum is is right at the top of Uwe Kahuna. Yeah, Uwe Kahuna is the, is the um, highest point of the caldera. And then we move a little bit towards the Hilo side. And as Uwe Kahuna starts sloping down, we hit Kapu o Komohualii, or people just say Komohualii or Kahualii. There's various names for it. The, the sacred cliff of Komohualii, Pele's older brother. Sometimes he's said to be an uncle. Um, It's supposed to be such a sacred place that Pele never touches it with her uh, Wahi Pele, with her Vogue. Going further down, there's some place names that are obscure and we don't seem to have recorded well. Um, But according to the park map, you'll see the next place down along the Pali, heading towards Hilo, is uh, Wahine Kapu, Sacred Woman. I actually kind of disagree with that location of Wahine Kapu, but there's many interpretations and many traditions of Hawaiian things in general. And it very well is possible that there are two places called Wahine Kapu in the caldera. Weirder things have happened. Um, And with some place names, we get duplicates um, in a very small area, much smaller area than that of Kalua Opele. Um, So Wahine Kapu is over there. And then we come further down and we get to... um, uh, Akani Kolea according to the official maps um, that the park puts out uh, some people are of, a, of the opinion that Akani Kolea is actually a place on the opposite side of the caldera a high ahua on the opposite side of the caldera but there is historical evidence if you look in the old stories that Akani Kolea is where the park says it is um, and, that, and the name of, of that place means uh, the, the call of the Kolea bird um, which is a reference to the story of Kamapua'a, who was a uh, a very famous kupua, very famous supernatural person who came up to Kalua Pele to uh, woo Pele. He thought he was God's gift to women and Pele knew otherwise. Um, so anyway, they get into this big fight. It's a story that I won't get into right now. Uh, but The place is called Akanikolea because Akolea is a bird that migrates from foreign lands. And it's a a comparison is being made in this name to Kamapua'a, who was a foreigner to Kalua Pele, was a foreigner to this island, Hawaii Island. And so the name um, refers to him calling out to Pele over there with his nice, pretty words that she did not fall for. (laughs) Um, Then we come back down around um, towards... Uh, what is now um, the Hula Pa, the Pa Hula, um, and the Art Center in the direction of the Visitor Center. It's kind of a notch in the Pali over there. And that's um, Ka'awea, very famous Pali. Um, and then we come down around from there. And there's a couple of place names, but the one I want to mention is a place called um, Wayaloha or Uwealoha or Palialoha. I think, I don't know for sure. And I think it's important for me to say that. I don't know for sure, but I think that they are all the same place. And that is supposed to be the place where Hiiaka Ika, Polio, Pele and A'ipo come back and arrive at the edge of Kalua Pele and call out to Pele and, and get into this big battle. And I know that um, previous guests on this show have talked a little bit about Hiiaka Ika Poliopele uh, here and there because she is such a huge figure and the story of Hawaii and her story is just so epic and is so well known and so important that so many places on this island and on pretty much every island are related to her and, and the story of so many places touches on her story. I think it's important for me to go back and explain a little bit about what I know of the story of Hiiaka Ika Pele because it's so important to so many places. And because this is Kalua Pele we're talking about, um, her story is intrinsically tied to the story of Pele herself. So when Pele came down to Hawaii, many traditions say that she brought with her an egg from her mother. And this egg eventually grew into a beautiful young woman named Hiiaka Ikapolio Pele. Now Pele has a lot of sisters and there are many sisters named Hi'iaka, but this one is specifically Hi'iaka Ikapulio Pele, Hi'iaka in the bosom of Pele. And their relationship is more like that of a daughter and mother um, rather than a sister to sister because Pele is the one who raised her, right? So Pele, long story short, Pele um, gets together with this Super, super handsome, super, super talented, super, super powerful guy named Awipo who is from um, Kauai. He's he's a he's a very important ali'i from Kauai, and um, he's also immortal. And the, Pele wants to be with him. She decides, for whatever reason, and there's a lot of interpretations as to what that reason is, that she is not going to go and retrieve Lohiau from Kauai. So she asks her sisters. Hey, one of you needs to go and get this guy for me, go get my boyfriend. And all of the sisters refuse. And again, there's many, many sisters, right? So all of these sisters refuse one by one and the reasons they give are pretty legit. I mean the, the, there's the Pele family is very well known and powerful. and like so many other well-known powerful families, even today, uh, they have a lot of enemies. there's a lot of, Uh, kupua a a lot of these supernatural beings and akua and just plain old humans that would love to ruin their day and take one of them out if they could and then you know this is the landscape of mythic hawaii right it's it's a thrilling place that has all kinds of crazy unexpected things so one by one the sisters say no heck no pele i ain't gonna go down there and get your boyfriend i don't want to die it's too dangerous And um, it comes down to the very youngest, Hiiaka Ikapolio Pele. And because she is just such an upstanding, good example of what a younger sister should be. (laughs) um, And she loves Pele just so much, she agrees to accept this huge burden and go on this long journey down to Kauai to get him. So long story short, um, because this is an extremely long story and I've already taken up a lot of time, Hiiaka prepares for her journey. And how this ties into the place names of Kilauea is, uh, the family is said to live inside of the caldera. Um, most of the time people say Hale ma'u ma'u, the area that normally has the lava lake these days, even though it wasn't always like that, historically speaking, people say that Hale Ma'uma'u ma'u is the place where they live, the main place where they live. Though each of the family members has places that are specifically kapu to them, just like Kamohualii. Um, Hiiaka makes her preparations, leaves Ma'uma'u, Ma'u, which looked very different back then than it does today, and then comes up Wahine Kapu. The trail, the old trail coming out of the caldera, one of them, was out of Ma'uma'u, um, Ma'u, up Wahine Kapu. So I mentioned earlier that Wahine Kapu was, a, a, according to many maps and many, many people today, is between Akani Kule'a, and Kapalikapua right there on sheer cliff. There is no trail there, no way is there a trail there. And I don't think there ever was. The other wahine kapu that gets referenced in historical literature several times um, is right below Uwe Kahuna, that highest point of the cliff where uh, Jagger Museum is. And um, if you've ever looked from the opposite side of the caldera towards Jagger Museum, or even if you ever had the chance to stand at that Jagger Museum itself before it closed down you could see that there's this kind of terrace that comes down um off of the cliff's side over there and that is another wahine kapu and that is where i think Hiiaka went um, because there was a known trail that went through that area and many of the poetic references to wahine kapu talk talk about it being a kaulu pali this, this kind of indentation on a on a on a, on a cliff, a Pali. Uh, so it makes sense. It makes sense. So Hiiaka comes down, uh, where the road is today, um, is fairly close to, um, where the old trail used to be along the cliffside, And she goes down along those place names that I mentioned earlier. And she comes down to the border of Ka'u with Puna. And from there, um, well, I'm just gonna, we're entering Puna and I'm supposed to be talking about Ka'u, but I'm just gonna, briefly retrace the path that I know of for Hiiaka going in on into Hilo. Hiiaka goes into Puna, into Ola'a from Pohakuloa. Then they head down through Ola'a and they go down to a place called Mahina Akaka, which used to be a, an oioina, a resting place. And probably was some kind of sacred site. I have guesses as to where it is. Drew, maybe you know, I don't know. It, it I feel like we could figure it out mm-hmm. though, if we really tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and from Mahina Akaka, they go through Kuolo, which is in Kia'ao town, uh, just below the old plantation manager's house, heading down towards the old sugar mill, uh, past the sugar mill is, um, where the old trail used to, used to split into two down towards Haena in one direction, which is on the coast of Kia'ao, beautiful place. They call Shipman beach nowadays. And then the other trail goes through Panaeva forest. That area where the trail splits is called kukulu Kukui. the the standing torches. And I think it was also an inhabited area in the old days. From there, Hiiaka goes through Panaeva, which is a whole journey of itself, goes to the place called Paieie as she enters Hilo, which is an old bird catching place. Um, Goes from there, uh, down past Haihai, past Kawailani, Kahaopea, Puainako. Those are um, all, well, Kahaopea might be a newer name, but Puainako is certainly an old name. Um, and goes down to a place called uh, Kanokoi and from there uh, Kanokoi is down towards uh, where Wikifresh is mm. um, so the, 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 she went down towards the coast there to Ohele which is a place that I know Loke talked about comes back over across Kanuku Komanu, and then heads across Waiolama um, <clears throat> down towards Pihonua I know I'm forgetting place names already and crosses over at Make Falls. Um, Kuluakanaka is the more proper name, but Make Falls is a pretty old name too. Uh, and heads up to the north from there. And there's all these little stories and little place names that are tied to her journeys here and there. So I need to say where I'm getting some of this information from. Some of it you can find in the stories, um, like in Ho'ulu Mahiehie's version of Hi'iaka Pele. I know for your listeners, many of them don't speak Hawaiian, but it is a beautiful, detailed version of Hi'iaka Pele's story that is just full of information. And for somebody who wants to start build, building a literacy in Hawaiian things, it's a, it's a great place to start, and you're going to have a million questions. You just got to push through it because you're going to learn. Um, And some things you won't learn because people spend their whole lives studying these stories and never completely grasp what they're completely about. That's, that's part of the beauty of it. Um, They're just so, there's so many layers. Uh, So some of that information comes from some of the versions of the story like that. Other information is from Mr. Theodore Kelsey, uh, who was a Haole man who collected a lot of Hawaiian information during his lifetime. Uh, I admire him greatly. And so, um, Hiiaka goes to all these different places and sometimes the names of these places and sometimes the places themselves are intrinsically tied to Hiiaka's story. And um, that's just a wonderful example of what my friend Kanani Aton likes to call the textbook of the land. Um, you know, in old Hawaii, we did not have writing as you know, many people are, they often say, but the old people, the people in the old days had incredible memories and the land itself acted as a reminder um, to aid those memories. It was it was in some ways a book. It's a constant reminder of the lessons, of the stories, of the stories themselves, um, and of what those stories mean to us. You know, in, in the old days, um, a person who was a kama'aina of a particular ahupua, of a particular land division, Um, would have known all the old stories about their place. And they would have been proud of that because it is a point of pride to be able to take the Malihini, to take the visitor in and say, hey, remember Hi'iaka? You've heard of her because she's got stories in your place. Well, she did this and this and this in my place. And that's where Pele sat under that tree when a lava flow was coming. And you know, you guys think that you guys have all of the information about the winds of the archipelago. Well, you know what? The winds of of Hawaii actually comes from our land, not your land. We're so much better than you, and you know, not not, not such a sassy way, but um, and and just as as a as a point of pride, people were proud of their homes and proud of the land, and everybody, and I really mean everybody, um, knew the boundaries of their lands, where their lands began and where their lands ended. You look at the Land Boundary Commission testimonies, um, which are testimonies that. The old Kama'aina, the people who were familiar with the land, uh, gave to the government to understand where the, the borders of each district were. And they consistently say that it was not a good thing to pass into somebody's land and to take their resources. You had to have an understanding and you were probably going to be taxed. And if you didn't do that, you were going to get beat up. Maybe killed, and all of the things you had were going to be taken away from you. But here we are, we're wandering a little bit far from the topic of place. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, the, the land um, serves as our textbook. Um, it's a constant reminder of the stories, of the lessons of those stories. And when we change the land, you know, if we were to, say, bulldoze a heiau or a particular particular tree or rock. It's it's like we're going into this textbook and we're rubbing it out with an eraser and trying to to get rid of this piece of history. The history is still there. The land is still there. The page of the textbook is still there, but we may not be able to clearly read the story like we could back in the day. The story is still there, but whether or not we are able to understand it or maybe whether or not we can even access it is a big question. And we've... Unfortunately, we've lost a lot of those stories, especially about smaller places. Um, But even more remarkably, I think, is the fact that we have, in spite of all of that loss, we still have a a tremendous amount of stories and a tremendous number of place names that we still know of and that we can still point out and be proud of. And there are a lot of other place names that we can learn about and bring back to life because you'd be surprised how many of these old rocks and trees and even structures are still around, but just kind of forgotten. They're there. We just got to remind ourselves that they're there and bring that back into our our consciousness. So heading back to to Kilauea, to, to Kaluopele, um, those are some of the names that are purely to Hiiaka Ikapoliopele. But like I mentioned earlier, every place has uh, a story behind it or a reason why it's called by that name. It's whether or not we remember or understand uh, what that meaning is. So uh, some of those other names that I mentioned, Ue Kahuna, Ka'awea, and even some that I didn't mention, like Ka'uwa Nahunahu or Ho'okui Ka'uwa Nahunahu. Um and another place called Ma'umau, different from the the lava Ma'umau, the home of Pele Halu um these are places that are tied to another story that is pilitu that is related to uh Pele herself um moving away from from Kalua Pele because this is a land that that straddles uh right on top of the border of Puna and Kau. So heading into Puna um, down at Kapoho, which is in Ahupua, a district that goes fairly far inland, um, there is a famous, famous story that a lot of people remember called Kahavali. And Kahavali was an ali'i. He was he was a ruler um, who was very, very um, n- well known for his expertise in hula, and he was a very good uh, holua racer. A holua is a, like a sled. Um, that you would use to race down on on hills and they had special holua slides that they used to make. Um, one of the best remaining examples is down at uh, Keohu in Kona. Um, so Kahawani was a great hula teacher. Um, he he taught a lot of the people in that area how to do hula and a great holua sled racer. Um, one day, he there was a big Holua sled competition on top of the hill that bore his name. I I, I think it's gone now. I don't know Kapoho very well. Um, and Pele shows up, and uh, you know, in her human form, uh, because Akua can take many forms. So she comes in her human form and wants to partake in the race. And Kahavali is snoob- snobbish Kahavali is snobbish and tells her, No, you don't get to. T- to, to do this. I don't know who you are. Who are you? You're just coming up here and talking to the Ali'i that way. And so um, Pele goes away. And a couple days later, big lava flow comes, right? He he did something that he shouldn't have done. He was not kind to a Malihini. He didn't show hospitality. Um, and this is a common theme you see in a lot of stories. And so he pays the consequences. So the Pele comes down and it, it kills all of his Hula pupils, um, at Papalawahi and they were turned into stone. So my understanding is that particular Papalawahi is what we call the Lava Tree State Park today. And there are other places named Papalawahi, so don't get too confused. Um, There are many Papalawahi on this island. Um, But anyway, she comes down through Papalawahi and starts chasing him, sliding down on her, her own wave of lava Uh, and trying to kill him. And he flees and hides in various places. And some versions talk about how his family members were also turned to stone and killed by Pele. But ultimately he escapes in a canoe at the shore at Kapoho and goes to Kauai. And and some versions of the story, that's where the story ends. But in other versions on Kauai, he decides he's gonna get revenge on Pele um, and gathers these powerful kahuna. And their names were Ma'u, Ka'awe'a, Uwe Kahuna, and Kahooku'i Kawanahunahu, or Nahunahu. Hopefully I'm getting that name right. So these Kahuna come and they all go up to Kalua Pele and they challenge Pele. And unfortunately, I've never seen a detailed description of how this battle goes down, but ultimately they all die. <laughs> ultimately, they all die. And um, there's various places on that north side of the caldera that bear their names um, We know where Ka'awea is now We know where Uwe Kahuna is now And we know one of the stories of these places uh, uh, Halema'uma'u was a stone That information was from Joseph Ilala Ole. He mentions that it existed uh, Ilala Ole's grandfather was a kahuna, uh, a priest of Pele And that's how he knew um, though is a place name. I'm not sure where it is. It's somewhere down below Volcano Village. Noah, you
1: mentioned Uwe Kahuna that being the highest point of the caldera. And um, we we're curious if there, if you could share something about the name itself or any Maolala that you might have heard associated with that.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think there are multiple versions of the stories that are given for the, the meaning of the name. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember them all right now. Uh, but the name, you know, obviously refers to a wailing kahuna, a whaling priest or a, an expert of some kind. Um, you know, one story that is becoming more popular, which is a good thing, is a piece of the story of Kamiki. And Kamiki is this, um, he's this lua, this this fighter. Um, he's a lua fighter who goes around the island um, and he kind of, You know, I don't know the story well, but he goes around kind of beating everybody up. (laughs) And you look at that story and a lot of the characters um, have place names. I would say almost all of the characters actually are place names um, in various places, which is cool. And so he comes to this area called Kahualoa or um, other sources call it Kahualoa, which is the long dune, the long um, slope. And that's where all the sands are down in um, the Kūu Desert. Um, the, some people call it Kione Helele'i nowadays, but Kione Helele'i is an event that happened in the time of Kamehameha. That's the footprints area. Yeah, that's the footprints area. So that's, that's the name, is Kahualoa. I think more more often it's called Kahualoa, if anybody uses the name these days, you know. Um, like so many other names, it's a name that's fallen into disuse. But there are other places out there. But anyway, Kamiki comes to a place called Kahualoa and if I remember correctly there is this Kahuna who is not such a nice guy and um, I think his name was Uwe Kahuna if I remember correctly and he had a a Lua fighter with him they were not very nice people they lived in a a hale um, there at Kahualoa and um, they would invite people in so that part of the Ku Desert is also along um, the old trail. Um, so when we talk, uh, some people know that area for footprints. Um, there are footprints in solidified ash deposits um, in that area. And famously, people say that there are footprints from uh, one of the regiments of Kiwa's Kewa, army when he was marching for to go to a battle against Kamehameha and part of his army died in a pyroclastic explosion from the volcano. Um, The archeologists have looked at these footprints and they think otherwise. They think more likely these footprints are varying ages um, and happened over a different period of time. And some of the footprints were from children, or I don't know, many hune. It was small footprints, <laughs> but some of the footprints were from children. So um, they think it was people just traveling the old trail, um, and then these these ash events would happen, and then their footprints happened to get solidified. So that that's the prevailing theory these days, rather than it being a sign from Kione uh, Helele'i, which is the name for that event that destroyed that part of Kyo-wa, was army. Um. Anyway. Wekahuna uh, and um, this this uh, Olohe, this this fighter were there and they would invite people in from the trail um, as is the hospitable thing to do for travelers in old Hawaii. That's what you're supposed to do. But they had this pit hidden under a mat. And so the person would come in and try to sit on the mat and then they would fall down and die. But basically Kamiki comes, beats them up, makes them repent. And I think he throws Wekahuna up to that point um, above uh Kaluapele, and he cries out over there, and that's why it's called Waikahuna, if I remember correctly. But I think there are other stories that people used to give to the meaning of the name of that place as well, and that's a common thing. You know, it's, uh, it's very normal for places to have multiple meanings, um, and places to have multiple stories. And like I mentioned earlier, for there to be multiple places with the same name and multiple tra- multiple traditions, that's that's kind of one of the Infuriating but beautiful things about Hawaiian <laughs> culture is that there's a lot of things that are unclear and many many traditions. Yeah, there's
1: something else that I've wondered too. I've I've made I've heard references of of small bodies of water or springs maybe um, that are up in the um, Kalua Pele mm. region.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Kawaiakapauo is a spring that used to exist. Um it used to exist inside of the caldera and I'm not going to describe what it looked like because it's considered a a sacred spring and it's supposed to be lost, but you never know. It could still be there. So I'm not going to describe what it looked like or exactly where it was. Um, But the story of that spring is that it was a place that um, people would go to um, who worshiped Pele. They would go there and they would, um, they would use that particular water, um, which was always there. It was, it was, it was a place that was always full with water and they would take that water and use it to mix their, their ava, their kava, um, that they would give to Pele in their, their ceremonies. Um, and it was a hidden spring. I mean, now it's kind of lost, but it, it was always a hidden spring. You had to do certain things to be able to find it. Um, and the story of how that spring came to be there, um, there used to be a place called Waha'ula Heiau down on the coast in Pune. Close, closer to the Kau side of Pune, but down, way down in Puna, Waha'ula Heiau was a very famous and very important Heiau, a Luakini Heiau, one of those Heiau that were used in government ceremonies. Um, and near Waha'ula, there used to be a place called uh, Kalua Kapau'o. Uh, Kalua'u Kapau'o had a Kupua, you know, one of these sap- supernatural beings. Um, that took the form of a pow'o fish. And I don't know how to describe what a pow'o fish is in England in English. They're kind of like these blenny looking things. Um, the little black fish, actually they're a decent size and they hop around in the tide pools. They're known for jumping around in and out of the tide pools. And there's different kinds, there's all different kinds. So one day, a hero in the old days, his name was Niheu. He was traveling in that area for some reason. He saw a kolea bird that for some reason he just felt like he had to throw a spear at. We don't have the complete story. It's unfortunately a fragment of a story. He throws this spear at the kolea bird and misses. That place gets called Akani Kolea. So there's another Akani Kolea for us. And the pau'o fish was in Kalua Okapau'o that the the hole of the pau'o is what the name of that place means. And it jumps all the way up to uh, Kalua Pele and settles at, the one place where there is constant water up there, which is Kawaiokapau'o and turns to stone. Um, and so that place was called Kawaiokapau'o from then on. But a lot of, you know, it's just a fragment that I'm aware of. Maybe somebody out there knows the whole story. Some, some family in Pune. Um, that story I think was con- collected by, um, Emery and Violet Hansen them. And, uh, when they were doing an ethnological study in Lower Pune, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I want to say their informant was Oulu Konanui. I might be wrong, but I I think that's who the informant was, because the informant should get get credit. That's whose Ike it really is. Yeah.
0: Mahalo Nui for all that you've shared, Noah. Um, As someone who has built up a relationship with many of the places you mentioned, have those places changed you or your perspective or perhaps you could share how they've impacted you?
2: You know, that's a really interesting question that touches on something that I don't think I've ever reflected on before. You know, how does how do these places affect me? And I think that's a very Hawaiian thing to ask about because so much of what we see about the Hawaiian mentality is... Um, this idea of reciprocation. Um, When it comes to Akua with our our deities, our gods, whatever you want to call them, it's a reciprocal relationship. You help each other when it comes to the land. Our older sibling is the land. So you have this reciprocal relationship where you help each other. And so when it comes to the names on the land and the small places on the land, it's got to be impacting us in some way. And I think for me, as I become more and more conscious about where places are, what their stories are, what their significance is, I think I just, um, my eyes feel opened. My eyes feel opened to what is really around me. You walk through places in your day-to-day life, even places as sacred as pele as Kilauea, and with, if you don't know the story and you don't know the history, if you don't know the names, it doesn't mean as much to you than if you do. It's like once you're familiar with these things, it's almost like family or friends, you come back even if it's years later and you know each other, yeah? You, you know this place intimately sometimes in a special way. and. The meaning that we ascribe to places you know it's i think it goes beyond just understanding the sacredness the history etc because we are constantly creating new stories in places to this very day um it's part of the human experience and um i know we were talking a little bit off the air about how um today we we create new names for some of these old places, you know, uh, in Hilo, we got places like Narnia or whatever. And yes, we should definitely be using the old names because and bring those to life because they have meaning and to our people and to, to Hawaii itself. And that history is important and that sacredness is important. But the fact that we're giving these places, new names is also special in a way too. Um, because there's stories behind that too. There's a reason why people call that place Narnia. When you hear other places it's like Four Mile, Richardson, yes, I totally support and believe that we should use the old names before anything else, but there are stories behind that too. There's a reason why we call it Richardson's. Um, and that's important. Uh, place and the human experience is intrinsically, it's just, it's just a part of who we are and what we are. Yeah. Uh, Before we end, I wanted to go back and and let the listeners know about um, just some of the more basic things about Kaluapele that I neglected to talk about earlier, um, because I think they're important. Um, You know, this volcano, it's amazing, obviously, right? We have the act of creation happening there often in front of our very eyes. We see the elemental forces of nature in a very raw form. And this place is special. All of Hawaii is special. Everywhere is sacred, but this place holds a particular sacredness to the Hawaiian people and to to everyone because of what it is continuing to do. And I think it's important to be mindful that for many people, this this is their temple. This is their church. Um, I don't know if anybody in the program has talked about the idea of what a heiau is um, before now, but a heiau is, it's, it's a place of worship. There are many, many different kinds of heiau. They can be big or little, they can be significant, or maybe just pili, you know, related to just a single person, a single person's place of worship. There are many different kinds of heiau, and they have many different names. And a heiau is not always a structure. It's not always a man-made structure a tree can be a heiau, a rock can be a heiau, and I've never heard it referred historically as such, but I would not hesitate to describe Kalua Pele as a kind of heiau. Um, People often think of the Hawaiian religion and Hawaiian spirituality as being a thing of the past, as being a thing that is dead and gone in history. Everybody turned to Christianity and adopted that and left the old ways behind, and Yes, many of us are Christian now. And I don't, you know, there's not necessarily anything inherently wrong with that. But we also, you know, when we talk about the fall of the religion, we're talking about the fall of the state religion, yeah? The fall of the Aikappu during the time of Kamehameha II, where the Heiau were overthrown, the big Heiau, the Luakini, were overthrown. And the there was all these big momentous um, things that happened in our history. Um, but the, the religion of the people, of the common people, the maka ainana, and and everyone else that never changed. That was always a part of our lives. And many, many of our um, people still practice this to this very day. They may not think about it as religion per se, um, but maintaining this relationship with your ancestors, your Aumakua, you know, that is Hawaiian spirituality. Maintaining the relationship with the land is spirituality and Pele, worship of Pele never ended. Um, It has always been a part of the culture Of at least some people in Hawaii And people go up there to this very day And that is their temple So, you know, if there are any listeners out there Who are not as familiar with the landscape yet Or um, are new to Hawaii I encourage you to develop a a relationship with this land You know, it'll change you And it'll define you into new things But keep in mind that This place is already special to a lot of people. And, you know, you're not just gonna barge into somebody's place of worship and start throwing down rocks or making your own whatever, cutting down a tree. You don't know. Be respectful, be mindful. And sometimes some of these places, even these places that I talked about today are not places that we should normally visit, like Kavaya Kapau'o. I didn't say specifically where it was in the crater or in the caldera rather because it is considered a very sacred site. And if there are people who still use it, I'm sure they wouldn't want me airing that laundry on, out in the public. But um, another thing that I wanted to let everybody know is that, again, this area, Kaluapele, is on the edge of the Moku of Puna and um, Ka'u. It straddles right on the edge. The, the caldera itself is mostly in Ka'u, and and. Um, Keoho and Kapapala. Keoho is sometimes said to be a part of Kapapala. Other times it's said to be a district in its own right. Um, but most of the caldera is in Keoho. And um, across the border, um, again, near that entrance sign of the park is where we go into Puna. And Ola'a is the part of Puna in that area. Keao also touches that that summit of Kilauea and so does uh, another district called Kahawalea. But it's important to know those big names. We talked a lot about smaller names. The big names are just as important um, and in some ways are more important. So that's just something that I I wanted to make sure that everybody knew.
0: Mahalo Nui Noah, that was absolutely beautiful. Thank you for that.
1: Yes, Mahalo, That that was transformative. We appreciate hearing from you and hearing your perspective about your experience and your extensive knowledge of this area.
2: Yeah. Um, mahalo to you guys for having me. Um, you know, I part of what I know is from experience in the park and from the help of people like Bobby Kamara and other Kumu that I've had over the years. And part of it is just reading. So get out there and read. <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird way to end things, but um, yeah. Yeah. Mahalo again. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate being here. I've never really talked about place in a public forum before, so this is new to me. But um, it was uh, we had some good conversations on and off of the air. So thank you. Mahalo.
0: Mahalo, Nui. Wow, what a way to start our progression into Kau. We learned a lot today, and I hope that what was shared will inspire our listeners to go out and read more as Noah urged.
1: And there are still many more maolalo to hear in this moku of ka'u. Mahalo again, our dear listeners, for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo'a Ka'uruau. And mahalo nui to our special guest, Noah Gomes. Please join us again for our next episode. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for even more related awesome interactive media.
0: Until then, a hui
1: Aloha.